I'm poop. No. Um. Well, what am I if I'm not poop? Don't say that. Don't say what? Don't say poop. Why not? Poop is just poop. It's not. Everybody poops. It's not poop. I'm poop. I'm poop. Boop be doop be doop be doop be doop. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. Don and David get a little saucy, so be forewarned, your sensitivity is not their problem. The Literate Apecast is for people who can handle both their liquor and their gag reflex. your son and your wife talking about poop they apparently that was just the like end of the conversation the butt end of the conversation if you will she decided to record it because this has been going on they've been having a really intense deep conversation about what the the emoji actually is and harry okay harry swears it's a flower (laughs) the poop emoji is a flower emoji is a flower Oh, you know, all right. You know, I mean, look, some people see uh, whatever they want to see. Right. Emojis are nothing if not just modern versions of the Warshak test. Yeah, I just I mean, you know, now that you say it, it made me think like we see kind of what we want to see with whatever lens we have been given. I just read an article in The New York Times that uh, posited that uh, moldy jam is a is a uh, is a is a, a sign of white supremacy. You got to read the article. You got to read the article. You got to read the article, man. Stop. No, I'm not kidding. It's a a whole, I swear to God. I swear to God, I just read it. It basically was. Wait, that they're using it as like a, like they're they're co-opting moldy jam as a white supremacy statement? Or if you have mold in your jam, therefore you are a white supremacist. there, There is a craft, there's a whole like craft movement jam making jam you know and like white supremacist artisans well no it was like a regular just like a woman that makes jam she's like a craft jam maker right yeah sure yeah she makes it and she owns a business and they sell jam craft you know like hand diy hand yeah it's like she does all kinds of stuff and she just happens to be she just happens to be white and one of her batches went bad and one of her employees took a picture of the bad batch with the mold on it Sort of like like one of her disgruntled employees, like look at how horrifying her business is, right? Because yeah. we some some jam got mold on it, right? Okay, how dare well, she? Well, there was a whole movement of black. It was from a Facebook group called Sisters Who Can, and it's a whole thing about how making jam if you're black has a whole different connotation, and all of a sudden there's this. It's a New York Times article. Yeah. About how moldy jam is assist is is about white privilege. I was like, "What the fuck?" And so, just like Harry, <laughs> he looks at a poop emoji and sees a flower. And apparently, someone on the New York Times sees moldy jam and sees uh, sees white supremacy. It's like, all right, you you, you see what you want to see. And I think what would have been better is, you know, because that the video is. I, and I don't have it on my phone because I don't have a 10 or whatever it is. But, you know, where you, you can make the emoji your face. Oh, yeah. No, I, so, I, I, I think yeah. it's adorable. So yeah, that's what they like, were doing. And I'm, I guess I'd rather see, like, it's, it's really only a matter of time before Harry calls Katie out for doing blackface. See, there you go. It, you know, I didn't think it. See, again, uh-huh. you know, what you see, you look, if what you do is you take a lens and you just, you see the world yeah. that way. That's true. I mean, so, the poop emoji is a brown faced character it, and for a uh, white woman to put her face into that. Eh, yeah. Te- she's, technically she, she has a brown face. I mean, come on. Katie, Katie Himmel's not nearly as woke as she thinks she is. Not anymore. Not cancel. Anymore. Cancel, cancel culture. Yeah. All right. So speaking of seeing things through a specific lens. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the, the democratic national convention Done through a lens of a million home videos. I thought 
that the DNC this year was really well executed. Did you watch the whole thing? Like start I did. To finish? I missed. I missed Wednesday night. I think. Yeah, I missed part of. I, I, I later watched the the big speech. You know, I watched Obama and um, Kamala and yeah. Hillary's speech, and I, Warren. I think was Wednesday night. Anyway, I didn't see the whole thing on Wednesday night, but yeah, I watched. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, all the way through. Um, yeah, the only thing I saw live was was uh, Michelle, okay. and that's because Dana and I went to Reno this last week, and yeah. we were in the hotel, and I just kind of popped it on, and it made me cry. I just got all weepy. Yeah, I mean, there it. were well. So first of all, the the technical but the rest side of it, it, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't watch. It was it, they did a great job of turning what was this live of you know what we know of conventions into. Uh, a con- what it has to be now in the age of COVID where we can't get together. And, and you, do you think it was a great job? I think, I think they did a really good job with it. I mean, there were some loose moments, you know, the Q to Q there, there were some loose moments, but like that's it's live theater, man. Like, you know, it, it happens. No big deal. Um, we were talking about it at work because this is essentially what I do for a living now, you know, like yeah, I'm a yeah. creative director in an agency that they were real big on events. We've had to change. How yeah. It's we do all events digital. Now. Yeah. Yeah. And, one of the things that my boss keeps saying and that, you know, that we're marching toward is that in the age of COVID virtual events, it's not how do we take this live event and make a live event virtual? You can't just flop one, swap one for the other. You know, no, you have it, to like change the way of well, it's are, like it's like, have you done. seen do you ever watch Bill Maher? Yeah. OK. And, and you know, it's like he would. He started. He started, and it was just, and it was just him doing his his stand up yeah. to know to know, and then they started pumping in applause, the laugh yeah. and then and then the next thing was then they started taking photo like like old old audiences laughing at shit, and they would cut it away, cut away to it. It's like right. none of it works. No, none of it works. No. And, that, and that's and, what he's and, trying to do is and recreate issue, the live, and you can't. My do issue that. with what I saw of because I didn't watch. Uh, I, I watched a lot of highlights of it. Uh, my issue with uh, making it virtual was, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, the speeches that the, a lot of the speeches were good. I think it was. I think what you saw was, oh, holy shit, this thing is so goddamn bloated and ridiculous. It didn't need three nights. We didn't need three nights of it. I think it was four nights of it. Wasn't what, it? We we needed one night. This was, I mean, it was like the Oscars. It was like there's just so much. I think everybody they had, yeah. Everybody had to have a say. So everybody's. It's yeah. like you know what? I mean, the things I noticed were that I thought were were good. Is all right. First of all, and probably uh, to me, that my big takeaway is Biden fucking killed it. I mean, the thing about I, it is when you've got when you've got Michelle Obama and you've got Barack Obama and you've got you've got all these big speakers saying amazing things. Yeah. I think Biden's speech was the best speech of the bunch. And I maybe it was yeah. maybe it was because I had low expectations of him, but well, <laughs> I'm telling you, well, I mean, you know, but yeah. I mean, I thought it was brilliant. I think I, both I the Obamas think, killed it, you know. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I mean the Obamas of course are going to kill it. And I I do think that it it did feel bloated at times. And, you know, there were some loose things like when they, you know, when Kamala accepted the nomination. Yeah. You know, and then like there was the applause. Like that was like these weird loose moments, but it was fine. I, and it could, they probably could have done it in three nights, probably two. You know, and 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 I'm sorry. And that's fine. And and I'm sorry. I get the idea that let's get some, uh, some, some not so. You know, here's here's some actresses that are not really making lots of money right now. Let's let's make them the moderators. But I think Billy well, Crystal, <laughs> Billy Crystal would have been a much better host. He'd have done a a, a song and dance thing at the beginning. There'd have been shtick. Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, I, it just it felt so much like they were trying to do. You know, talking about events. How do you do digital yeah. events? Yeah. Is they took what was. You know, ordinarily would have been four nights. If they'd have done it in one night and three hours and just, I mean, really, when you think about it, okay, so what did you get? You got 
a handful of Republicans that got to say stuff for like, right. you know, a minute. Yeah. And a handful of progressives. In mm-hmm. fact, that's what I thought was interesting is almost the same number of far left progressives yeah. got to speak as the same number of Republicans that hate Trump got to speak. <laughs> they which got to pull was, them over. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Uh, we had lots of women, a lot more women spoke than men, which I liked. Yep. Um, a lot, a lot of blacks and Hispanic voices. That was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, I did walk away that, you know, there was a handful of like, they had like real Americans. Yeah. Talking. And all I could think of was, wow, the Democratic real Americans are fucking just as ugly as the fucking Trump Americans. <laughs> They're just ugly, <laughs> ugly people. These are uh, these are some unattractive. I mean, not even a fucking Instagram influencer among them. They These are these are just the unsightly <laughs> fucking masses. I thought, wow, these people are. <sighs> I mean, they have good things to say, but goddamn, they're ugly. Yeah. Well, I, I think mean, that, that they did a good job of using the real estate. You know, like there was the, I think it was on the, the second night when the states cast their, their delegates, you know, and instead of in the, in the past, in the, the yeah, usual yeah, world, yeah, you know, they, they just stand go, up from and- the great state of Illinois, the land of Lincoln, we cast eight votes for Bernie Sanders and 460 yeah. for Joe Biden, yeah. you know, or whatever. Yeah, but whatever this time they, they use this opportunity to like tell the story, like each state, Gets, yeah, there's too many stories. This, this little story, but I thought that was good. The storytelling aspect of why it matters to Illinois that they're casting their votes for Bernie or for it, Joe yeah, or whoever it was. It's, 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 it was too many stories. I mean, you know, I mean, the thing but about I think it that's is fair. that's democracy. Let the states actually tell. The, I, I thought it was quick. I thought it was painless. I thought it was a good use of the real estate that you have because these aren't All right, that's events. Fair. I think that's that the fair. event world is, and I said this to my my boss this week was that. We're not as much in the event business anymore as we are in the the TV production business. Yeah, like, and, we're and making it, little television and, programs. And if there is anything that one can learn from both live events, but more importantly, television. Yeah, and and also realizing that we're dealing with a dwindling attention span of people who who, who really can only read 140 characters at a time, kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> is it less? Is fucking more? Yeah. Because really, what do you, what do you, well, okay, here's this thing. I loved, I love the Obamas, although what they had to say was quite dire. I've the, got some put thoughts together, on that, which we'll get to Put them in together, that yeah. was quite dire. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of the things I, the, the, like my, my two big takeaways from what I watched um, was, first of all, amazingly, it seems, that at least until Trump is gone, the left seems united. I know they're not. I know they're waiting for Biden to get uh, not get, get become president, and then they're, they're going to un- unleash the hellfire of exactly what the left does, which is just tear each other apart. But okay, yeah, it it was a nice united front. The other thing I think is interesting they're is they're playing the short game right now. Like, let's, yeah. yeah, but what I what I think is is they're playing the same, they're playing the playbook that Donald that won Donald Trump, good to twenty sixteen, and that playbook is. WWE. This is all wrestling. Mm-hmm. And right now, um, and because the thing about it is they didn't really, I mean, you know, they, they, there were, there were some policy stuff that they talked about, but not a lot of policy stuff. Really, if there's a takeaway from the Democratic National Convention is we should vote for Biden because he's the good guy wrestler and Donald Trump is the undertaker. It's like Donald, like Biden is the good Hulk Hogan because he's just Trump decent. is Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah, he's just the decent. Because the the thing is, that it wasn't a policy. Or Nikolai Bolshevik, Bol- whatever the hell and, his name and, was. Exactly. And when you think Nikolai about Volkoff, it, that's what it was. that that might have been why. I mean, on some level, there's a million reasons. I I did not need to hear Hillary relitigate 2016. I just didn't I need it. Wish that they like, had not brought the her on. Up. Yeah. But the thing, the thing I think is interesting is, it's almost like. They learn what they what did the, they learn from 2016 is that Americans don't give a fuck about policy. They right. want heroes and villains. Yep. And the really the takeaway is the only reason to vote Democratic in this election is because Donald Trump is the villain. Apparently Joe, he's crazy. Yeah. And Joe Biden is just the most decent motherfucker around. And that's why you should. And it's like, okay, you could have done that in one night. You don't need four yeah. nights for that. There know? was one, I, I think it was, it was the second night where they had uh, the man with the ALS, Addy, I think Addy something is his name. Yeah, yeah. Where 
most of the second night, Katie and I spent like weeping through it. It was just so we were just so moved by it, and I think like they they did a really good job of getting at the heartstrings. You know, they talked about Joe's family and like the tragedy of losing his wife and daughter, yeah. and then losing Bo and. You know, and just like that, he you know, Bo goes off to war, and like he like he's the senator's son at war. You know, again, like, where again, does that exist? Like these again, are things that Americans all of it can boils get. down to the strings, good guy good wrestler. Guy. Yeah, exactly. Good guy yeah. wrestler versus bad guy wrestler, and the good guy wrestler has had adversity and yep. pain in his life. I mean, maybe I'm just too cynical. No, that's. But, I think but, you're exactly right. You know. um, Look at, and watching it, it just was like, okay, I get, you know, I, I got the message. Joe's the good guy. Yeah. How many times can you say Joe's the good guy? Here's why Joe's the good guy, because his, his fucking wife, you know, he was a single dad because his wife was killed and then his son was, you know, all this. He's, yep. he, and, and I love, that's actually one of the things Obama said, was Joe, Joe has empathy because he's learned how he's learned yeah. it. Yeah. You know, but so I didn't Obama need to hear thing. Three nights of that. Just Obama said it so well. Just leave it at that. I mean, they, I get it. They, but they have to hammer it into. You got it's repetition. To who? Well, yeah, that's the thing. Who? I mean, it's like I wrote in one of my my post it notes this last week yeah, was yeah that you know, they said great things, all these great things that should bring over the people who are in the middle, the moderates, the undecided, yeah. ideally. But I think that they were just talking to the to preaching to the choir. I think only the choir was tuning in. Like, why would it somebody? Well, and, and in this, and even Obama that, that's said my, that. That's my concern. Yeah, even Obama yeah. said that in his speech. I really liked Obama's speech in a lot of ways. But one of the things, pragmatically, is that he even said, "If you're watching this, you've probably already made up your mind." In this right. polarized, in this polarized world, yeah. um, you are. It doesn't matter. None of this. This is all just noise because the fact is, you already know who you're going to vote for, and you already know why. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you look at the polls, and the most recent poll I read about this is that, and it does put Biden in kind of the spoilers position that Trump was in, because if you look at 2016, more people voted against Hillary than for Trump. Well, yeah. more people right now are voting against Trump right. than for Biden, which I think is a scary place to be politically, because it means we are so polarized that we we can't. We, we don't care. Yeah. It is it is simply cheering on, you know, the wrestlers, and then and then the question that you have to ask yourself is if if what politics is now becoming is just World Federation wrestling. Yeah, we already know that the wrestling's fake. Yeah. So how much of this is fake, and how much of it is just done to manipulate us? I don't know. I have an answer for that, but it just like well, I mean, it, I, yeah, it's one of my takeaways from it. We we saw some good some good wrestling in the you know preliminary matches in the primaries, right? I mean, Kamala. Oh yeah. You know, Harris went after Biden hard. Oh but yeah. But then she's they 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 got on the same side, and you think yeah. that they would never have an alliance, but they had to because there's a a new bigger bad guy in town, and that's Donald. Trump. You know. Yeah. It, it's it, yeah. It's all theater. It's all. It, it, yeah, it's wrestling. I mean, simple as that. Yeah. 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 Let, let's just... let's talk about Obama's speech because the thing that I was was um, not not shocked, not surprised, but just like, oh, this is this is a big thing, <laughs> is both Bill Clinton and Obama, former presidents, traditionally do not come out and criticize oh, the no, sitting president. That's, that's not the they game. don't they don't offer advice at least publicly. You know, yeah. they don't. Th- there's that respect for the office. Like, hey, man. Do your shit. You won. You're in this alone. I'm, you know, pick up the phone, call me if you need to. I mean, that's how Clinton and and Daddy Bush, yeah, you know, became buddies. And you know, it it changes when you hold the office. And Trump is probably the first president in American history where there's just he probably is not friends with any former president. No, I, see the you thing. About, I guess that that's the thing is I don't think again. And it, you know, everybody's. It, I mean, there's Jefferson there, and Adams, so much, but even they had respect for each well, other. Well, I mean, fucking. You know? t- Taft. Taft was unilaterally hated by everybody that he worked with. You know, yeah. um, um, there are so many. Aaron Burr. Well, Aaron Burr was a president. He but, wasn't president. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it just the thing about it is, is most, I would argue that most presidents 
were hated by people that they worked with. Sure. I mean, who doesn't hate their boss? I mean, you know, like you know, I mean, that, it's so, still a workplace. I mean, I mean, if you look, if you look at the, 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 what, 16, it wasn't 16. It was 12 years. No, it was longer than 12 years. He was 18 years, whatever. How long was FDR president? He was like three and a 12, half about terms. About 12. I think, three, it was, I think it was 12 years. I think so he just got elected to a fourth term or something years, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Halfway, through, halfway through his fourth term, he, got, he died. Um, yeah. But the thing about it was, if you look back, the people that hated FDR hated him every bit as much as people on the left hate Donald Trump. Every bit. They sure. hated him. He yeah. was destroying the country, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's the thing is I, I look at this and it's like, okay, I got to look at all this with a little bit of a, you know, great. Yeah. Is Donald Trump the worst? Yeah. You know? <clears throat> Um, is he the worst we've ever had? No, he's just the worst we've ever had to listen to constantly and nonstop. If if Taft or Rutherford B. Hayes or even Ulysses Grant, who was a fucking rampant gambler and drunk, had access to Twitter and was on constantly, constantly on, and we had to hear him talk and hear him say, I, my guess is we'd find those guys just as egregious and awful yeah, I mean, as... But- I mean, everything's relative. You know, we hated, like you said this yourself, you know, George W. Bush was the yeah. worst thing that ever well, happened I mean, to this again, country. And we I, thought he was the fucking Antichrist. Like, there well, was History thing, Channel shows but, about... But the <laughs> thing about it is, is, is as, bad as, as bad as... And, and, and you can now, now with the pandemic, you can actually say that, yeah, Donald Trump has, has elevated his game to be almost as bad. Um, well, as George that, W. Bush, but George W. Bush, and that's the thing is, he's a likable guy, which is why he got elected, and he's probably a pretty nice guy, but he also put us in the longest, most expensive war in the history of the country on on made up shit, yeah, and and yeah. to to compare to compare a, a sociopathic egomaniac asshole with that. Seems out of balance. I mean, if well, we give I, him four more years, I'm sure he's capable of it. There's no yeah, question. He'll, but he'll get there. I, but I think that the. But my point is that, uh, you know, when, when W was doing all the the ter- the terrible shit, you know, trying to stop LGBTQ advancements and sure, um, you know, and the wars, Bill Clinton didn't come out and dump on him. Or no, criticize him. Jimmy Carter didn't come didn't. out and criticize nope. him. Nope, that's um, not how they did it. Yeah, these presidents took, you know, took Donald Trump and said he's a piece of shit. I mean, yeah, on, yeah. and that's a big. That to me is bigger. Not it, it, forget the words that they even said. I mean, like they, they were great. You know, Obama's speech was great, but the fact that we're at a point where and Carter wasn't at the DNC, but Carter has has criticized Trump as well. Oh yeah, everybody. And he I has mean, been since he got elected. Since he got elected, yeah. And what Bill Clinton said at the DNC and what Obama said and then what Michelle, what Michelle said, that's a big, it's a big deal. It's a huge deal. I feel for so sorry for, and to criticize I him. feel so like bad that. for Bill Clinton. God damn it. Because I, I love Bill Clinton. The, the thing is, no, here's the thing. I love Bill Clinton, okay? And, and as a president, he was a great president. I mean... There were yeah. there were some missteps, but this guy put us he he created through his presidency against um, a, a, an entire Republican arm of the government that was doing everything to fucking demonize him and tear him apart and investigate yeah. him and all that. He managed to create the biggest surplus in our growth economically than yeah. any president before or since, and all he's remembered for is he fucked around on his wife. That's the only thing we remember him yeah. for. And now that's become so toxic. Yeah. It's so toxic that he fucked around on his wife. It's like, okay, so inf- infidelity? Because that's the thing is, he right. never raped anybody. You know? Right. He, I mean, you Well, know, he, he's been accused of it. No, he hasn't been accused of rape. He's never been accused of rape. He's been accused of exposing himself to Paula Jones. That's has he what been he was accused of rape? No. Okay. No, he's never right. been accused of rape. See, and that's what I'm talking about. It's poor yeah, fucking totally. Bill. That's I mean, the guy the guy was and, and, and arguably he's one of the smartest men in the United States. 
and was probably one of the best presidents we've had. And all we remember of him is that he jizzed on a blue dress <laughs> and, li- and lied about it. I mean, you know, Bill Clinton, he, he did also, you know, he gave us a don't ask, don't tell policy, which wasn't good. He gave yeah, but, us but, the three-strike rule, all right. which... That okay. ratcheted up the, okay, back the problems. Up, back with- up, back up. The don't ask, don't tell was his compromise because he could not get his the Republican Newt Gingrich Congress to allow gay and men and women in the military. They would not fucking legislate it. So he had to do something. So what he did was he created this don't ask, don't tell. So that was the best he could do to address that issue. So don't everyone say, oh, he yeah, did, he was not fair. against the gays in the military. He was for it, but he his hands were tied by middle, a Republican yeah, Congress. So yeah. he met in the middle. If there's anything about Bill Clinton that you can criticize, is he was the ultimate centrist. That no, that you're you're right. That's, you know, that's fair. and 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 I don't think that's a bad thing. I think he did the best he could. The omnibus bill, okay, that was some mistakes. There yeah. there were some big mistakes, but he was also dealing with crime that had that that was ratcheting up in ways that they had cities were screaming for help yeah yeah they were screaming for help because the crime had gotten so bad at that time period that he had to do something so he went with the experts in law enforcement which we kind of know aren't really experts in law enforcement so much as experts in how to line their pockets yeah but so he went with that and, and that's where the omnibus bill biggest mistake he ever made was NAFTA. Yeah. And it, it wasn't even that NAFTA was a bad idea. The execution of NAFTA was horrid. And so, yeah. Yeah. okay, so beyond that, because I can think of... I mean, million, I, I don't I have a lot of like digs against him. Things, yeah, I, that's like, I'm thinking like 12 things just as bad that, that Obama did, and I love Obama. Oh, and I, I have a lot more issues with Obama than yeah. and I so do with Clinton. I yeah. really do feel bad for Bill Clinton that he gets six minutes, Yeah, and he's one of the most eloquent speakers ever mm-hmm. and he gets six minutes and and all people remember is like oh yeah okay yeah he fucked around on his wife and and people like oh yeah he's a rapist no he's not there's he that ex- picture of him with uh harvey well there's the harvey I weinstein know. pictures no, there's the, the, the jeffrey epstein girl and it's yeah, like god damn it Johnny the guy, he whatever, was a yeah. horn dog he was a horn dog okay yeah. so what I don't like. I don't give one shit about you know, him cheating on his wife. Like that's between that. Whatever. That's it, yeah. be- exactly. That's not our business. And and whatever. But I mean, I, I just, the one the one really good thing that came out of him cheating on Hillary like that, and the, the whole Monica Lewinsky thing, is that we got Monica Lewinsky because she kicks ass. Yeah, she she's is cool. Fucking awesome. I mean, you want yeah. a survivor story? She's you funny. want a woman who she has got wit. She has got oh. grit. She has. I God, love Monica Lewinsky. You know, she, I, I do too. Talk about talk about living living just getting shit on oh. in every possible way without ever asking for that lifestyle, and then turning it around eventually, and, and then coming into her forties and actually being really funny, really badass, really smart. I just all I want, all I ever want, is for Monica Lewinsky to do well and be happy because she it. kicks ass. Yep. She kicks ass. Yeah, she's totally. Cool. She's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I thought that. Look, man, I, I haven't seen the RNC yet. There, you know, I'm looking forward to what kind it's of all weird be shit Trump. show. It's all okay. going to be Donald Trump. It's going to be well, every night of Donald Trump. the pillow guy speaking and the MAGA hat kid. That's going to be fun. See, <laughs> I have no interest in. I'm not. I didn't. That, that's things I generally don't watch conventions anyway. I'm just not that yeah. interested in them. And so, uh, well, I, I, I'm I'm watching because I do watch it, and I'm also curious from a, you know, from a, a work standpoint. Like I want to see the production. Yeah, how, how they do this. Yeah. But, you know, they've really got to do a good job because I think this time around I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump this time around. I think the Democrats did a good job of selling me that I should vote for the good guy wrestler this time. Yeah, I, well, I always go for it. But the thing is, there's always people that love the bad guy wrestler. It doesn't matter if he's a bad guy. They root for the bad guy every time. Did you have a favorite wrestler? Did like Were you into wrestling as a kid? Not really, no. Because it probably... so. Because I was into Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant and Jimmy Superfly Snooker, like when WWF was. Yeah, yeah. At I, the, I don't know if it was the peak, but um, it's like the '80s, like the early. Yeah, early I was never. I was, was never into thing. it, okay. but uh, but Tyler Green was way into it, and so at one point he he basically forced me in, and I. That's the funniest thing is since we did it as research for a podcast we were doing, and uh, we sat in the WBEZ community room and watched like. 
eight hours of fucking wrestling videos because oh, he was so into it. So I've watched all those videos now. Yeah. But it was really from a critical eye of like, I'm a grown man and this, okay, this, all right, this, uh, I see why this is entertaining. I yeah, love this it is as cool. a kid. I had the toys. I watched it on Saturday morning. There was the Hulk oh, yeah. Hogan and Friends cartoon, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I never, I, the first oh, I time I ever it. even saw Hulk Hogan was in uh, Rocky, was it Rocky 4? Yeah, Rocky 4. No, Rocky 3. Rocky 3. He's in, I thought that was B.A. Baracus. Well, that's Mr. T, but yeah. in Rocky 3. Before he meets B.A. Baracus, setting up that basically Rocky has become sort of a sideshow and is it really, you know, that, that Mickey is kind of keeping him from fighting real fights. He does yeah. an exhibition with uh, Hulk Hogan. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The improb- yeah. And the improbable moment of Rocky literally picking Hulk Hogan up. Yeah. over his head, which I'm sure he could do, but it's like, yeah, that never gets... Okay, yeah, this is kind of cartoony. But that was... Uh, yeah, that's the first time I ever saw Hulk Hogan was in well, that movie, and I went, oh, that's and, crazy. And that's not even really that impressive that of a move. Huge. because Because... It's not far to pick him up because Slice Stallone is only three foot seven. He's so only like far three seven. Go, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. He's a tiny guy. So uh, low center of gravity. Yeah. My, my brothers and I, when we were kids, my brother Stephen had a perfectly square room in the way that his room was set up. So that was our, that was our wrestling room. So yeah. like we, after our homework was done, whatever, my brothers and I, we would the three of us would get in there and we would be a character. Like I would be Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream. I don't know. I really liked him at, at a time. Whatever. And we had our own little special. I don't moves. know who Dusty Rhodes yeah, is. Yeah, so. it doesn't. I mean, but we had our. Like, when you say loved, that, I'm like, what are you talking about? We loved wrestling. We had we made up our own special moves. When Stephen was a little baby, um, I would use him and I would pin Eric, and then I would get Stephen and put him on Eric, and Stephen would just kiss him. Like that was like the, so, the kiss. Well, you the grew. Kiss up, that's like you grew up with brothers. I grew up with a sister, and the closest thing we came to it was that she couldn't understand. My sister couldn't understand how we would have a pillow fight. Yeah. And I would be fine. She could hit me 12, 15 times and didn't even affect me. And I'd hit her once and she'd just get like a big fucking headache. And that was yeah. because she had a foam pillow and I had a giant goose down pillow. My goose down pillow was like hitting her with a brick. That's some and she right never, there. Yeah. she never figured out that that's why she could just hit me and hit me and hit me and hit me. And I would laugh it off. And then I'd wallop her with my fucking pillow and she'd go across a room and yeah. be like, what the fuck just happened on my head? Yeah. It's like, yeah, that was it. That was that's about a- it. But that's what you got to do to your younger siblings. Yeah, I know. I mean, my, my it, special move when we were wrestling was the no barriers move. Okay, the no barriers move is what? I would pin them and then pull my pants down and fart <laughs> right on their face. And yeah. the no barriers is because there was no shorts, there was no underpants. It was just straight butthole to, to nose and mouth. Well, see, <laughs> we, obviously we have... I was, I was taught in high school... Uh, my band director told me about this, and then I actually did it on my uh, drama teacher uh, when we uh, he was our debate coach as well. And I actually did it. It was called the flying pterodactyl bear bat. What? The flying pterodactyl bear bat. I can't believe I remember this. But the flying pterodactyl is what you do is you same thing. It's like they're they're asleep. They got to be asleep. Yeah. You got to get them when they're asleep, and you drop trout naked ass. And you squat right above their face. <laughs> and then you flap your arms and go, rah, 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 and then you sit right on their face. That was the flying pterodactyl bear bat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a yeah. good one. Yeah, I mean, subsequently, you know, as a result of this, of our wrestling, my brothers spent the first 13 years of their lives with pink eye. You know. oh, well, there you go. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, <laughs> like well, flakes of their brothers shit and fart. Yeah. Now, you know, if you do their, that, now if you mouth. do that, uh, there's so much COVID and filth, and then you know, just immediately just bathe your face in hand sanitizer and uh, it's almost and put healthier. A mask on. It's almost healthier to have somebody fart right in your mouth than up your nose than to yeah sneeze in their general direction. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. That's, that's where you we're know, at now. One of the things and you know it's interesting cuz uh, cuz Dana and I like I said Dana and I uh, we went to Reno last week. Uh, I got a couple extra days off. So we drove up through Tonopah, you know, yep. we went went up the middle of the the fucking desert. The lonely highway. 
the Lonely Highway, and uh, and then we saw the Clown Motel. We didn't mm-hmm. go in, but we we went in and took pictures and that well, kind of stuff. Talk about that because that's different than like Circus Circus. Just in case. Oh no, the Clown Motel. Familiar the, with the Clown Hotel? All right, Tona, <laughs> Tona, Tona Pond, Nevada is this tiny little town, and there's not much in it. I mean, it's just it's falling apart. It's you know, yeah. it's a lot of. But you have the the Metzpa Hotel, which is like one of the the, the Southwest's oldest hotels. Yeah, and. You know, we went in there and we saw that, and then Dana was like, "Hey, you want to go inside the lobby?" And I thought, "Why not?" And it was fucking gorgeous, mm-hmm. and they just had like it was like a museum, and it looked like it probably looked in 1905, and all this kind of shit. It was just gorgeous. Yeah. And then just up the road is the Clown Motel, and the Clown Motel is a motel entirely themed with clowns there's giant clowns there's clowns on the fucking doors we didn't see a room but we went but we 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 went into the 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 front desk which has the clown museum which is mostly just like a thousand clown figurines and clown shit but it is attached to the it's attached to the tonopah cemetery and the whole idea of the clown motel is it's like it's like the most bizarre recipe of terror because it is haunted because it's next to a, an ancient cemetery yeah and filled with fucking clowns so yeah. there's just like nothing good <laughs> comes from this thing and uh, yeah. I mean what I liked about it was it was like <laughs> this is fucking weird man and I yeah. love that shit yeah but I also realized because Dana was like no I'm never staying here and this yeah. was before we'd seen it and I was like I kind of want to stay here we got there and I looked at it and went yeah I don't need to stay here no. Not even because it's like, oh, it's haunted. It's just like, nah, it's just, it's just a little seedy. Yeah. I don't want to spend 80 bucks to sit and just to have that. Experience. It's like, all right, I took some pictures. I'm fine with it. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. But then we went to Reno. And one of the things that was really interesting is that we went to Virginia City, which is like one of another, it's like an old West Town kind yep. of thing. Um, lots of good bars. We drank it, had a drink at the Bucket of Blood Ooh, there you bar, go. which was cool. Um, but one of the things that was interesting about. Uh, a couple of things that were interesting, but I realized it's not even Donald Trump I, I despise, and I can't. And it makes me sad that I'm so knee jerk that I've you know I've drunk that particular Kool Aid so so desperately that I can't even control my reactions. But it was like when we went to we we go to Virginia City, and it's all like this tourist trap and it's all like this old western town and you know it's hot because virginia city apparently at one point was the wealthiest city in america because they had this rich right? yeah, yeah gold and silver deposits. Silver, yeah sure hugely hugely wealthy it's like so much fucking money and now it's just sort of like a reminder and it's this old west town well it's filled with tchotchke stores and bead stores and here you can buy these freshly minted gold coin stores, all this kind of shit. Yeah. But as you're walking, everyone, not every time, but every once in a while, there's like a store and it's like, hey, we're selling memorabilia, but more importantly, Trump 2020. <laughs> I mean, just fucking signs. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, you couldn't have paid me. You couldn't have walked up and said, I'll give you a thousand dollars right now to go into this store. Cause I don't want to go into those fucking, and I'd be like, because it was just so overt. Yeah. You know, even in Tonopah, I took a picture of a, a, a truck, and right now, on the side of the truck, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, hey, let's put a bumper sticker. This was a fucking bumper sticker the size of a, you know, like a, a legal, bigger than like twice the size of a legal pad on the door, on oh the my side, God. that said, impeach Congress, not Trump. I mean, Good. it's like, Good one. I mean, you know, and so, Good and so idea. The, it, it, it was a reminder that, uh, that Nevada, um, is not a fully blue state. That no. in some ways it's very much like Illinois. I was where just switch it. It's very much like yeah. Illinois, where Las Vegas is is you know a lot of blue is in Las Vegas, but the rest of the fucking state is filled with a bunch of crackpots and idiots that just love Donald Trump. And it's like, it almost, and, and at one point, it, it, I mean, especially in Virginia City. Dana just kind of got bummed out by it because yeah. it was just like pervasive Trump shit. It just kind of bummed her out, and I and I got that. It was like, yeah, let's get the fuck out of here. This is yeah. you know, there's no there's no amount of uh, homemade grandma's fudge that can make up for uh, right. that that much Trumpenstein. Um, but uh, you know, but you know, it was like I said, it was very interesting uh, that experience 
it, even well, one of the things we did. This was great when we went to Reno. You know, we went through uh, like the El Dorado, the Row. Yeah, and it's and it's like the El Dorado Casino and Silver City Casino and Circus Circus, and you can just walk through all three of them along yeah. this sky deck kind of thing. We did that, and then we walked around a little bit, and we ran in. And one of the things when we go for our team retreats, when we when we go out of town and we get a hotel, is we're going to look for two things that Dana loves more than anything else: is secondhand bookstores mm-hmm. and antique malls. Yeah. And uh, and we go into we see as we're walking through downtown Reno, which it's got its own level of like, where the fuck is everybody? This yep. used to be this used to be my playground. <laughs> um, Reno is a weird city. It's, I you know, always I loved, get the strangest feeling when I'm in Reno. See, I liked Reno. If, uh, Reno, that whole area, Carson City, all that area, feels a little bit like uh, Nevada had sex with California and then had a, a hybrid baby. Because it's got the desert and these trees. You know, yeah. it's got, it's I mean, got it's a pretty bit of, up there. It's gorgeous it's up there. Gorgeous. But because you're, you're not far from Lake Tahoe, you know, I mean. Yeah. It, as Dana said, Carson City is quaint as fuck. Yeah. And it is. It's rather it is. quaint. Yeah. But Reno, so anyway, Reno itself just yeah. You know, Reno's got its its own vibe. I liked Reno, but we go in, we see this 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 uh, uh, antique mall right in the middle of Reno, right yeah. like downtown. And so we're like, yeah, we're gonna go to this antique mall. It's three three levels. There's a basement. There's a third floor, and then there's or, you know a second floor, and then there's the whole main area. So we go in. And as, you know, Dana is very meticulous. She wants to look at a lot of stuff. She's like, I am in museums when it mm-hmm. comes to antique malls. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm going to breeze through. I'm going to breeze through. I'm going to take a look at everything. I'm going to try to get an idea. But I'm going to go fairly quickly. Yeah. She takes her time. And I come up from the basement. And they had some cool shit. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You know, they had, they, had, they had some really interesting stuff because it was some of it was very vintage gaming you know like there was an old roulette table an old craps table that was in there that they got from another you know like a closed down casino but anyway I come up and she's talking to this white haired like 75 year old dude who's totally taken with Dana because you know that's how it works for Dana she's beautiful and she's open and she's interested so these older guys are like hey and so he's he's (laughs) well then then she introduces me as her husband and you can see a little bit of like Oh, hmm. but he's still like, like, "Hey, we're having stories." Yeah. So he takes us up. He takes us upstairs to his room where all the shit that he hasn't put out for sale is in there, and it's mm-hmm. just a fucking chaos, right? Yeah. He says he shows us this, uh, you know, that like when you buy a, 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 a like two decks of cards and they're in that plastic case, yeah, like the little uh-huh. plate, right? Yep. He shows it to us, and he says. I bought. I got this. He said, I can't even remember how much he pays. Like a couple bucks at a thing, but I had to buy a bunch of other shit because that I didn't want, because I didn't want them to know how much I wanted this. And I'm, mm-hmm. we're looking at it, and it's like seahorses. You know, it's like psychedelic looking seahorses for the cover of you know, like the the backs like the of the card cards. Backs, yeah. He opens it up, takes the plastic case off. The cards are a facade. There are no cards in this. He pulls the cards up, and there's a an Italian Beretta pistol inside the case what? and like and like a little thing with 12 live round bullets in this little tiny i mean it's that small and so Dana so immediately the size of two a deck two decks of cards side yeah. by side yeah yeah that's how small this gun was and it's wow. a real gun and dana immediately says how much you want for that because she wanted it and he was like yeah i'm not going to sell this and so yeah, we yeah. like but he talked about it and he, he did he done it he'd taken a look at the serial numbers and all this kind of stuff this guy has a story he's he was an assassin in the 60s what yeah I, you know his and name was boyd he just offered this up his name was boyd cox he used to be an assassin in vietnam or in uh yeah 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 in hanoi he was an assassin and then for who for the united states for the americans for the, yeah for the <laughs> americans yeah and so he's telling us and he's got all these like connections with homeland security and uh he's a friend of the guy from pawn pawn shop wars and he's a friend of francis ford coppola and you know like so he's so he's kind of name dropping and he's so we're, he says oh i gotta show you this and we go in this other room and i looked this up he really has it um he owns like as far as we can tell, the last, uh, the last and only gaff table from the 1920s, and a gaff table was the. Yeah, I mean, there were two, and he explained it. He actually owns two, but one, one, one kind of gaff table was here's a roulette wheel, you know, here's a roulette table or a craps table, but 
if they knew the law was coming because they had these underground things, they would flip a certain thing and it looked like a desk. And that's one kind of gaff table. Wow, yeah, that's cool. The other kind of gaff table, and he has the last, as far as he knows, it's the last, it's the last one ever made, right? Uh-huh. It's like, the last time it was used was uh, New Year's Eve 1931, and he actually has the newsprint that was stuffed in the leg because basically it's a roulette table with hollow legs that batteries go in and they're connected to some things and then basically they could do the roulette and the dealer could influence what the outcome was so it was a cheat table huh. and the reason they don't and he explained that the reason they don't have any more there's a reason this is the only one left is that when the fbi realized this is what they were doing every time they'd find one they would chop it up they'd just destroy it yeah and he found it uh the guy sold it to him for like eight thousand bucks because the guy didn't know what he had. The guy didn't know what he had. But because he has these connections with Homeland Security, he didn't want to take it apart. So Homeland Security took it and they, they put it in this giant x-ray room so he could they could x-ray the insides of this thing so he didn't have to take it apart to figure out how it worked. Oh, my God. And you can look this. It's online. They, there's actually a whole story about Homeland Security and, and, and the x-ray. So he wasn't full of shit. It was fascinating. He ended up showing us, like... He, he, he showed us how to, to count cards in his yeah. own way. You know, and he helped design the backs of cards for the Peppermill Casino. I mean, this guy was fucking fascinating. Then we go downstairs and he starts showing us secret, like this building was from the 20s, built by mobsters. There's all kinds of secret entrances and, and, and imagine, like hallways that are outside the perimeter that you can go all these different places. This his is shop- all in the... The antique in the mall antique mall that yeah. he owns. Do you know what the antique mall is called? Oh shit! I've got the card. Hold on. Because um, I just is... quickly looked him up, and apparently, is did he, have, did he talk about a wife? Yeah, yeah. Sharon is his Sharon. wife. Okay. Yeah, Sharon's his All right, wife. So I yeah. found this guy. So apparently, antiques a... and tr- it's called Antiques and Treasures Antique Mall in the heart of the Reno Riverwalk District. And my favorite thing is, and again, it's one of those things where you wonder how much of his stories are full of shit. You know what his email is? What? SP Forces GB. Special Forces. I don't know what GB means, but Special Forces. It's special. Wow. It's, it's like, okay, yeah. I, you know, it's like, okay, I kind of believe everything he said. And, you know, it's. GB it, means Green Beret. Oh, Green Beret. Green GB Beret, yeah. Dana reminded Okay, because he did say he was a Green Beret. That's exactly right. And so I think it's really interesting that, I, I mean, one of the things I told him, I said, you got to write a fucking book. Yeah, there's. I came across an old story from, looks like this is the San Francisco Gate, from June. Well, this okay. So they they republished this from the Associated Press, June eighteenth, two thousand eight, updated February 9th in twenty twelve, um, about some story this gam this gaming table that they bought. That's like, the gaff table. This is, That's the gaff table. Yeah. Was, that table is the gaff table. Deluxe roulette yeah. wheel. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I guess this is it. I get it. Okay. Well, Dana took a picture of the roulette wheel. He let us take a picture of the actual wheel. That's cool. Um, you know, and it was really, it, you know, that was, but that's the, the thing is, that's why Dana and I go to these places. Yeah. It's not because we just want to do all the touristy shit. I mean, I'm very, she's less touristy than I am. I love being a tourist. Yeah. I love being a tourist. It's my favorite, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. But what we do is, it's wonderful to find these sort of like, hidden moments mm-hmm. these hidden characters these people that are really interesting yeah um and part of it is because i'm interested but i guess i guess maybe i'm just off-putting but dana <laughs> i don't know but dana is really open so people really want to talk to dana and because i happen to be there they'll talk to the off-putting guy uh, yeah. because she's there and that's really what happens is they that have she to because they she can't be reels them in because they want to re- exactly. talking to she Dana, reels sure. them in they want to talk to Dana cuz she's really lovely and she's very inquisitive and yeah. she's you know she's just so kind and then she's got this fucking gorilla pet right. that walks around and grunts <laughs> and shits on things and they look at me and they go yeah all right oh, and fine. so then i get yeah. all the good stories it's like that was fun and i so, love little places like that and what's so great about because Katie loves antique malls too. Oh yeah, yeah. I love and I love shit. it. And unlike you, like at a museum, I will read, 
I will stop and read everything. Oh, so and that's I remember exactly how I'm kid, in a museum. I'm like, even on in a museum. walks, like just walking through towns, if there's a sign and a statue or whatever, I'm going to stop and I'm going to read gonna it. I'm going to stop and I'm going to read it, yeah. As a kid, my mother did that and it drove us fucking crazy because we're kids. Like, come on, who gives a shit? Let's run. You know, where's the yeah. playground? But I do it now, and Katie's like, Jesus fucking Christ, and you're so oh, slow because yeah. I'm reading everything. Everything. You want to know the stuff, yeah. And in, in the, the, these, these antique shops, I want to look at everything because what weird shit might I find? What weird book? What weird well, record? might I, What weird – what is this little teacup? Oh, well, it's see, for the thing torturing is, baby dolls. Or, see, you know, you're, like, you're like Dana when it comes to the antique mall because you're yeah. really excavating for gold. You're yes. canning for gold. Yes. Me – I'm going to find really cool stuff, but I also, I, I overlook the, okay, here's a bin with a thousand LPs. Yeah. And here's a bunch of old, like, Harlequin romances. And, oh, here's a bunch of fucking semi-quasi knockoff Hummel figurines. Uh-huh. It's like, I don't need this shit. Oh, here's some, here's some, you know, here, here's an Osterizer and a goddamn, right, yeah. you know, I mean, I yeah. don't need, don't I'm need not that, that interested but... in that shit. What I, I, you know, as we're walking through. I immediately see something I think I want to get her, but I also know, I know better that I better ask yeah. before I buy her because she's got a watch. But I saw it was a fucking Elvis Presley guitar watch. It was literally yeah. shaped like a fucking guitar. It was so cool. She's like, nope, nope. I was like, all right. But I see stuff that I think is cool that's really yeah. interesting and really kitschy. And then I go, oh, maybe that would be fun. But for the most part, you know, like I went down and I looked through the clothes a little bit thinking maybe I might find a, a vintage bowling shirt or something. Yeah. Um, I, keep, no, I love the like the old yeah. political buttons. I like, like the old political the campaign buttons. buttons. But like, I'm not going to buy every that time, stuff. Every time I – because there's a lot of antique stores in Chicago, like up, up in the north oh, yeah. side. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so we'll go there. I mean it's been a while since we've gone, but – I always go back because I really want to find a Harold Washington button or like an old oh. Harold Washington T-shirt or something. See, okay, so now that you I know, know that, I will look because we yeah. do. We go through these things and we see all this stuff. So yeah, I'm loving. I, I'm loving the gaming stuff. That's always fun. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, one of the th- one of the things, and this is you know because I'm I'm working on my my uh, I'm now finally starting to now now that the casino management is now just sort of like okay, it's just a job. You know, I'm not that really interested in doing this for my career. I'm really starting to invest more research in the book. And we're in this time. It's called Sundance Books in Reno. And we're looking. And usually she's the one that buys the books. I Mm -hmm. I very rarely buy a hardbound book because I read Kindle and that kind of stuff. But I see this self-published book. And it's called The King of Casinos, Willie Martello and the El Rey Club. Okay. And I'd never even heard of this, right? Nope, and it, and I, it, you know, and it, 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 I love it. It's an unreal but true story contains nudity, prostitutes, and some mobsters. Yeah, and and what I, I, I what I noticed the only thing I remember, and I do remember reading about the El Rey Club, but I didn't know anything other than the fact that Harry Reid, Senator Harry Reid, yeah, grew up in Searchlight, Nevada, right, and one of his sort of part of his legend was that he learned to swim in the El Rey swimming pool with prostitutes. Okay, that's I mean, that's and I remember hearing that at one point and thinking that was kind of a that's that's a crazy sort of like origin story for a senator. But it's cool. Yeah. So I look at this and I'm like, so I look at it and I read about it. and I haven't really heard about this guy or anything. And it's written by a name, a guy named Andy Martello, who it turns out was from Chicago and Mm -hmm. not at all related to Willie Martello. (laughs) It's weird. Yeah. And he's he's a writer and a comedian. And so he wrote this book and so I'm reading this book so I bought it I also bought another book that was uh, I can't find it but it was it, it's called Playing the Cards That Are Dealt and it's about the guy that basically started Harris. and I went oh, yeah, oh wow these are all used books so they're cheap books and I'm like okay this is good research because I'm kind of fascinated and what I discovered we, we kind of discovered that we both have an unearned nostalgia for Nevada yeah it's like it feels like we, we kind of belong here and it's all this just fucking insane assholes coming here looking for gold or opportunity. That's the whole state's filled with these crackpots, and we fit right in. That's so. what it is. It's it's. It was founded by. I mean, Las Vegas anyway was founded by the Mormons to for like religious freedom, and then everybody that followed them after that they were well. 
they just wanted money. Before, but they, they, it was it's, money. It's, it was the silver in the mountains. Towns, so many of these towns are like, oh, somebody discovered gold. I mean, um, uh, what was the the uh, Tonopah? Yeah. This I, I love Tonopah. You know how Tonopah was started? I do not. I can't know remember the, the guy. Story. I can't remember the name of the guy. But the guy was out looking for stuff, and he's with his, his with his donkey, his burro. Yeah. And for some reason, the burro pissed him off. So he reaches down to throw a rock at his fucking donkey, and it's a really heavy rock, and it's just a fucking. It's just almost pure silver. So the guy sets up shop, starts a mining thing, buys all the land, starts a town. You know. That's it. Well, I mean, there's a reason Nevada is the silver state. Like, it was yeah. full of silver. It was, it's the, you know, California had gold, Nevada had silver. That's, yeah. And once the silver ran, ran out, out a bit, then they all these were like, towns... well, let's go back out there. And those towns become ghost towns. And well, d- actually, we're going to make money off the people in Las Vegas. S- yeah. You know? Some of, well, that's the thing is, some of them are ghost towns, and others went, oh, and that's why I wrote a piece Saturday. It's like, I, Las Vegas is going to totally survive COVID, mainly because, yeah. The trifecta of gambling, prostitution, and booze is is recession proof. It's Great Depression proof. There's always going to be a call for gambling, always call for prostitution, yep. and always call for booze. I've well, read, but it's humans. important to note that prostitution is illegal in Las Vegas. Yes, but the underground blowjob uh, oh, industry is quite robust. Yes, it is. Kind of yeah. like my boner. I don't wow. know why. I don't know why. All right. Let's do six things, because what's a better pivot point than my boner? Exactly. All right, Simeon cohort, here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. My first thing is a read. Um, it's a bit long. It's in the Atlantic, uh, written by um, journalist uh, Adrian Lafran, Laframe, I think, Adrian Laframe. Uh, it's called The Prophecies of Q. Oh, God, And this God, is yes, about yes. QAnon conspiracy oh, thing. And Jesus it's, Christ. Ah-ha. Uh, Jesus, yeah. you're gonna need to take a nap after reading it because it's fucking exhausting. Not it's because young. of the writing, but just because of it's the just subject because matter. They're insane. Like, they're insane. It's, the it's almost quasi-religious. Yeah. Along those same lines, my first is a read. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Coleman Hughes, um, but Coleman Hughes is sort of a. I don't know if you call him center left. I think he's center left. Maybe he's more center. But anyway, he writes. He's a black man that writes for Quillette, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he did a review a couple years ago, maybe two years ago, on uh, Ibram Kendry's uh, How to Be Anti-Racist. Uh-huh. And his review is called How to Be an Anti-Intellectual. And it can be found at huh. uh, city journal, city-journal.org, um, How to Be an Anti-Racist. And it's really his sort of takeaway on... You're talking... What I think is interesting is like you're reading about... Here's the the ridiculous quasi secular religiosity of QAnon. Um, this is Coleman Hughes' sort of version of yeah. Well, here's sort of the quasi theologian uh, bullshit of being anti racist because it makes no sense. Anti racist or anti intellectual? Well, that's the thing is the concept of anti racist has been taken over so that it is almost entirely anti intellectual. That's his point. Interesting. Okay. Anti-racist doesn't mean what you think it means. All right. I guess I'll have to give it a read. There you go. Maybe that's why you recommended it. That oh, is why I, I see it. how this works now. I get it. This is okay. how the six things we recommend things. Yeah, it's ah, good that way. Ah, for like other people to... Yes. Okay. It's good. Man, how long have we been at... I'm just, just now connecting... Yeah, this is like, this. Uh, what is this? This is episode 146. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure you finally got it. That's good. So, so I recommend, uh-huh, uh, to listen, a podcast called, <laughs> called Zach to the Future. This is, are you familiar with the funny, <laughs> are you familiar with the funnier die, uh, Zach Morris's trash? Oh, yeah, okay, all right, So yeah. this is a podcast with uh, the guy who created Zach Morris is trash, dash or something or other, where he's now got this podcast with Mark Paul Gossler, who played Zach oh, Morris yeah. in Saved by the Bell. But he, and, and they break down episodes. They, they talk about Saved by the Bell. But the fantastic thing about it is that Mark Paul Gossler, like this is the whole kernel yeah. of the thing. Mark Paul Gossler has never watched a single episode of Saved by the Bell, of he any was it, Saved by the Bell. 
Yeah, he the junior high years, was, the high school he, years, or the college he never, years. He never watched them. And That's he says, fascinating. Like he's seen clips, you know, because it's like it's kind of ubiquitous. I mean, Saved by the Bell's fucking everywhere. So how have you never watched Saved by the Bell? And his his reasoning, he goes, "Look, I had a job to do. I showed up, I did my job, I left set. That was that. I don't watch the shit that I'm in because I pick it apart. I'm too hard on myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I did my job." I can't change what I did, so what's the point in going back and reviewing it? Which So I, now they're going back and reviewing it. And they're going back and reviewing it. And Dashiell and Mark Paul, like, they've got this really great chemistry, and it's, you know, and if you're a fan of Saved by the Bell, it's it's a lot of fun, and it's such, like, a stupid, funny little... Oh, I want to... It's just, it's, yeah, yeah, it's really, really enjoyable. So it's called right. Zack to the Future. All right. Um, my second is a read as well. This is in Sports Illustrated. Yes, I know it's hard for you to imagine that I would ever read anything in Sports Illustrated, given that my... That wasn't the swimsuit issue. Well, that's actually... It's, it's true. Uh, <laughs> but this is... this is What is fascinating about this is, that, again, it's you see what you want to see. We talked about the beginning of the podcast. You kind yeah. of see through the lens that you want to see. And uh, this is uh, an article by Brian Burnsed. It is called The Fatal Calling of the Bikini Climber. And wow. it's a, okay. a well, and it's about and I love this. This is the this is sort of the the lead. It says Gigi Wu was a wanderer who found solace and purpose conquering Taiwan's toughest mountains. Or she was an exhibitionist who swimsuited selfies atop those peaks fueled her social media fame. Or she was a bit of both. What's certain is that the mountains got something from her too, and it's about her, her death. I mean, she falls and dies, um, doing this. And it's so the question, you know, and that's that's what's really fascinating about the article is that there is there really is a case to say this was someone who just simply loved climbing the unguarded mountain passes that had been blocked for decades. Also, she wasn't very good at it, and she did not know how to pack well. And also, she fueled sort of her... She got GoFundMe to be able to do this because she would get to the tops of these peaks and take bikini pictures. Wow. And so it was It was kind of all of this influencer versus free spirit versus GoFundMe versus, like, really... Is there an environmental aspect? Like, is that what the mountains yeah. got from her? Was, like, awareness of, let's take care of our... There's a, type there's st- a yeah. little, there is a little bit of that. So, yeah, yeah. it's a really huh. good article. I highly recommend it. All right. Uh, my last thing is a watch. Uh, this is going back to Spike Lee's 1997 documentary, Four Little Girls, about the bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama, September 15th, 1963. Yep. The reason this is topical now, but and specifically my recommendation, is because I'm working on a project uh, through work where we're interviewing... This, the one survivor who was in the room with those four girls when the bomb went off. Um, oh, wow. This woman, Sarah Collins Rudolph, she, and they don't talk, like, for, we didn't talk about her, we just talked about the four dead girls, um, one of whom was Miss Sarah's sister. Um, but, like, this is, I've been working on this project for the last two or three weeks, and it's moving, and it's important, and it's infuriating, because you're thinking about you know, civil rights and what it was like then and now. And it's just, it, it resonates a lot today with the violence, you know, and you just replace yeah. bombing with mass shootings, I think. We're kind of still dealing with the same shit to some yeah. degree. Anyway, but yeah, um, it's called Four Little Girls, Spike Lee, 1997 documentary. Um, we seem to be on a, yeah. we, we seem to be on a similar track because my third thing is watch Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on HBO Max. It is what I love about it is, and there's a whole scene at the top of it where it basically gives you sort of the the thesis of the project, yeah. which which is H.P. Lovecraft, which I've never been a big H.P. Lovecraft guy, um, but H.P. Uh, Lovecraft wrote all these horrifying, you know, otherworldly monsters, ancient monster kind of things. Well, uh, he was also a, a, a really uh, virulent racist. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, <laughs> this is about, a, a in the 50s, about a, a young black man who was in the Korean War, comes back, and his father's missing, but he loves these stories. Well, the premise behind this is, it's, it's, what it is, is it's, it's, it's Jim Crow fan fiction of <laughs> Lovecraft. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah, no, it is, yeah. And, and, yeah. and, it, and it's fucking <laughs> good. 
I, I've only watched the first episode, but God, oh, God. damn it. It is brilliantly done. It's fun. <laughs> the acting is good, and it's it's terrifying. So it's yeah, I I highly recommend it just based on the first episode. Jim Crow fanfic. That's that's not to say that it it louds Jim Crow. No, it's you know, I mean, Jim it Crow is, era. But it is fan fiction. It is fan fiction that uses the, the monsters. Jim, yeah, yeah. In the month, it well it uses the month. Well, that's the thing is it it really is Jim Crow fan fiction because no, you're the, right. Yeah. You have monsters from the H.P. Lovecraft thing, but also just as bad as the monsters are the racists, are the bigots, sure. and the, yep. you know, I mean, the the sheriff that wants to fucking kill him on the ground because they're black and they were in their town. There's a whole fucking scene in this first episode where basically this racist sheriff and they know who he is because they've mm-hmm. been warned about him, finds them. They're literally just getting out on the road because they're trying to find this this road and they're outside, they're just standing by the car and he stops and basically says, you know what a sundown Sun- town mm-hmm. is? Sundown town is? They say, yeah. He says, this is a sundown county. And you've got about seven minutes until the sun is down, yeah. and I'm gonna and I'm gonna string you up. And they get in the car, and it's I mean it is the most tense. They're driving. He can't speed because if he speeds, this motherfucker will pull him over and kill him. Yep. And they've got seven minutes before the sun goes down to get on the other side of the county line. And I mean Jesus fucking Christ, just that, it's like a three minute scene, but it is just so tense. I'm telling you, this is worth watching. So Lovecraft Country, I can't wait to see more episodes. I really like, this is fucking great. Yeah, I kind of want to burn through, so I've started the second season of the Umbrella Academy now, which I'm loving, and you were totally right, like all the Kennedy shit, I'm geeking the fuck out. I knew you would. I knew you would. So good. Um, But as soon as that's done, I'm diving into Lovecraft Country, because I'm very, very excited about that, because who doesn't love Jim Crow fan fiction? I'm telling you, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in for a pound, in for a penny. Yeah, funny way to put it. Yeah. All right, and that, my friends, is the show. That's the show. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Rock and roll. Beep boop. You can listen to the Literate Apecast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast, Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com.